0: It was a very cruel scene, executed in an unusual manner. Hey, Cruel
1: Coven. Hello, my little bonbons. Welcome to Cruel and Unusual, the podcast. I'm Tori. I'm Katie. I love crescent rolls. Oh, God. Do you want to know what I just bought today? What? Two bags of blueberry bagels. <gasps> you want to know what I had for dinner? What? Two raw <laughs> blueberry bagels. Raw as in not heated up, just
0: bit, biting chunks out it's of them. It's fine. See, good. you can do it any way you want. Yeah. But I'm a little, it's a sore subject because I don't have any blueberry bagels right now. Yeah. I had to actually, um, well, I had to go into the
1: store and I saw them there and I'm just mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm going to fucking get them. They're so good. And I got them. They're
0: so fucking good. <sighs> Oh, oh. Um, I want Taco Bell really bad. I don't know why that just made me want Taco Bell so bad. I wonder if they still have their cheesy Fiesta potatoes. Oh, I don't know. I didn't even get to get a parting one. We might have to go see. I don't know. I might have to go see, but I don't know how late they're open. Yeah, they're hardcore. They're open. They are. hardcore they are open they are open late. I bet they're open late, even great, or whatever the saying is. <laughs> Eat late, even great? That's is right. that even Taco Bell? <laughs> probably not. <laughs> okay,
1: Coven, we've got some big news going on. in the Big? Tru- yeah. Big news. Not us personally, but no. in the true crime world, in the true crime universe, most of you have already probably heard this, but... Um, Just the other day, Alyssa Turney's stepdad, Michael Turney, has finally been arrested for her murder. Fucking finally. Yep. Yeah. He was arrested the other day. Oh, it was
0: Thursday. That's right. Now, Alyssa disappeared in 2001. And real quick, in case you don't know anything about her case, her sister, Sarah Turney, actually has a podcast, and it's called Voices for Justice Podcast. Mm -hmm. And we'll make sure that we share. We'll link it, obviously, in the show notes, and either Katie or I will share it um, when the episode drops on Thursday. Mm -hmm. But this arrest has been such a long time coming. And I think it's important to note how crucial Sarah Alyssa's sister has been in this entire process it's been how many 19 years Mm -hmm. going on 20 years and she has never for even one day given up trying to seek justice for Alyssa and she's she's been a crusader in this entire thing she's been just a champion I couldn't even I can't
1: even imagine how hard that is and how strong of a person you have to be right to be her and
0: to, to get to get the fucking shit done right and number one just to go on after someone that close to you dies but yeah. number two to fight every single day and could literally commit your life yeah to fighting yeah. for justice And to, for her. to know
1: what you know and right. have, like, nobody listening to you. Right. You know it what makes I mean? you... Nobody that can do anything listen. You know right. what I mean?
0: Right. Yeah. And, I mean, she has so many um, amazing supporters right. like, on social media and probably in her real life, too. Not that I know her in real life, but she has so many people who are backing her, but that does not make authorities listen to you. Not always, <laughs> no. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
1: You're right. And I hate that it took so long for something to be done about it right. when there was oh. all of
0: this evidence, but... And that's... And I was, I was just talking a minute ago or thinking in my head, but I totally lost my train of thought. And what I was going to say is that, you know how like when people like fucking gaslight you Mm -hmm. and they kind of make you think that you're fucking crazy and insane, Mm -hmm. but you're not. That's what I imagine feeling like for 19 years for her. You know what I mean? Like she's trying Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and she's showing them things and she's doing everything that she possibly can to get the stresses for her sister and it's it's like basically falling on deaf ears half the time yeah but yeah we will make sure that we put the the voices for justice podcast everywhere that we can all over our social media today when the episode drops so you can find that and follow sarah and follow this i mean obviously this isn't the end Mm
1: -hmm. but it's
0: definitely a huge step forward so if you want to follow and support in any way you can we'll make sure that you're able to do that
1: okay So, other big news in the true crime world, which I'm sure most of you know about this too, but I just want to mention it anyway. Joseph D'Angelo, the Golden State Killer, has finally been sentenced after last week's victim impact statements. I wasn't able to watch all of those, but I did watch some. I'm like, holy shit, dude. I can't even like articulate how brave those people are and how glad I am that they finally got to have their day to like confront him and let him know how small his
0: dick is and how much of a scum bucket he is. Yeah. Just in case he hadn't seen his dick for a little while. Yeah. Like we need to just make him Here's aware a reminder: that you have a micro button dick. Okay. <laughs> um. Anyway, but... I didn't get to watch any of it, Mm -hmm. but... You can still find him on YouTube, everybody. Yeah, I'll have to when I can. But um, I did see, like, a still, like, a photo of a woman flipping him off. Yeah. And I fucking loved it. I loved every second of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I wish he didn't get to have so
0: many years Mm -hmm.
1: to himself. So he was sentenced to life without parole. I think, like, multiple life sentences. But either way, he's going to be in there for the rest of his life. Um, I wish him nothing but the worst. Yeah. Same. Um, Now... I just saw this video of him the other night. He was literally climbing, all over his jail cell like a fucking spider monkey. Yep, like standing on the shelves, doing parkour shit. Like not parkour shit, but it just completely discredits that he's some a feeble fee- piece yeah. of shit. It's a fucking farce, right? It's a fucking farce, right? <laughs> fucking farce. It's a fu- a fucking farce. <laughs> he was pushed into court in a wheelchair. You're for God standing fucking sakes,
0: on furniture yeah
1: coring it up yeah climbing you on cunt. shelves and shit and like they had to fucking nudge him every yeah. time so he could be like oh yeah i did it fuck off yeah
0: honestly i've heard
1: off. i don't know if this is true but i want to say it anyway because i don't doubt that it's true that he's been like masturbating to the female guards what? I, w- I wouldn't put it past him honestly and i don't care if this is what fucking slander yeah, he deserves it, it i don't mind slandering <laughs> yeah him. He's rot, a shit. rot you fucking egghead everyone comments on the article is like oh he's probably got what what's life in prison for him two years i'm like i don't know after seeing that video hopefully he gets to suffer for a long fucking time I fucking hope hopefully so. he has a bad time
0: mm-hmm. i hope so in there all right guys anywho <laughs> i just got... some just a few light little topics yeah, to get us started know.
1: I've actually got so it's not exactly a headline. It's from Mirror, my favorite Mirror.co.uk, but it's it's originally from a 1958 magazine, a women's magazine called McCall's. So this Mm. is this was published in 1958, and it's a list of 129 surefire tips and tricks ladies can try to snare a husband <laughs> just you fucking wait just listen to these i'm not gonna read them all i'm not gonna read 129 that could be an entire mini episode but i'm just gonna read a few for you okay oh, the best one ones. yes one get a dog and walk it oh
0: that's <laughs> <Two>. like exercise
1: <laughs> though Ugh. right two have your car break down at strategic places
0: mm-hmm. just have your car break down whoops Essentially, <laughs> oh, heavens lord, um, just this, like, it, coincidentally, like, in front of, like, an MMA yeah. gym, just, or, Whoops. you know. Oh, there goes my muffler. Kick it yeah. off real quick. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Whoopsies. Oh, muscle man, come help me. Three, attend night school. Take courses like men.
0: Oh. Yeah. Okay. Isn't that nice? Have them walk you out to your car. <laughs>
1: Four. <laughs> Look, look in the census reports for places with the most single men. Oh, Oh, that's a surefire way. (laughs) Five, read the obituaries to find eligible widowers. Oh, honey. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Can you imagine finding out, like marrying someone after you found him that way? And then later on down the road, admitting that?
0: Sounds like a dark romance plot. Oh,
1: God. I'm going to skip to 14, be nice to everybody. They may have an eligible son or brother.
0: Oh, my God. Fuck. I don't live my life for that shit. I I don't. I'm not nice to anyone (laughs) unless they give me a reason to be nice to them. 17, (laughs) be friendly to ugly
1: men. Handsome is as handsome does. Oh. (laughs) 19, get lost at football games. What if no one finds you? (laughs) that's the point a sexy what? man is supposed to but find you but what if the
0: sexy man doesn't find you <laughs> and, then I guess, and then you're just i guess lost. you're just
1: lost at a football game <laughs> 20 don't take a job in a company largely run by women why would you do that no why would you support female oh. empowerment because there's no men there <laughs> and that's all we want Men, 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 <laughs> men, 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 I'm just going to do a few more. 24. Don't be afraid to associate with more attractive girls. They may have some
0: leftovers. Oh, God. Yeah. They could introduce you to their leftovers. <laughs> we don't want
1: him. The you men men have him.
0: <laughs> the men they don't want anymore. 26.
1: Don't room with a girl who is a sad sack and let her pull you down to her
0: level. Oh. No. No sad sack. No sad. I'm a sad sack. sack. I'm, I am a big <laughs> sad sack. Uh, I'm pulling you
1: down. Okay, one more. Thirty. Learn to paint. Set up an easel outside of an engineering school. <laughs> oh, <laughs> could you fucking imagine an
0: engineering school? Yep. I'm just gonna set up my easel out here. Oh, don't. Surely me. a man will stop and, then, and ask what I'm painting. And then, and then you just drop a drop a paintbrush
1: and imagine his horror when he finds out i'm painting him with dead eyes and blood coming from his ears and his nostrils (laughs) and his soul
0: escaping his body while i consume it (laughs) with my my mouth (laughs) you guys you know what it's time for it's time for the q motherfucking otd the question of the day honeys it surely is
1: Okay, I have some questions. They're both from Alejandra. Okay, she wants to know who is your oldest male celebrity crush. Hers is Chibs from Sons of Anarchy, which you haven't watched yet. I just know you haven't.
0: <laughs> no. Um, question: Did she mean oldest like an eighty-year-old or oldest like oldest, from when I was like, like two? Man, old. Oh.
1: Like the oldest man celebrity. that you're talking old to. man.
0: Yeah. Well, mine's always and forever gonna be Johnny. Yeah, Johnny uh-huh. Depp. Johnny Depp has been our crush for decades. I had a whole wall dedicated to him. Oh, me too. I used to eBay posters (laughs) and get posters sent to me, like his movie posters and like Uh just candid still shots. Oh, Oh, honey. You don't even want to know what I did when I was looking at those. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. Um, I was trying to think if I
1: had any other oldies. Do you? Mine um another one of mine besides johnny is james spader i just fell for him on the blacklist i love him
0: i'm thinking of that guy let me show you who, james spader who was the guy i'm thinking of he's been in a shit ton of movies david spade oh no <laughs> that's who i'm thinking Ew! <laughs> she thought i meant david that's... spade <laughs> when you said that, sorry I was... if
1: he's your crush <laughs> You have bad taste. When you <laughs> said that,
0: I could not believe it. No, not David Spade. Um, I think I am? Also, and we've talked about him before, but... Um, Gerard Butler. Gerard Butler. He's not an old
1: man. Like, he's oldish. How showed old is you he? you my embarrassing old man. How, how old is that man? I don't know. Let's see. He was in The Fucking Graduate. That means
0: he's old. <laughs> he's 60. Well, Gerard's 50. That's no... When I was just trying to find an even older man than Gerard and Johnny, (laughs) they don't count (laughs) to to make you guys happy. I stumbled upon this article from boardpanda.com and it's entitled 34 Handsome Guys Who Will Redefine Your Concept of Older Men. So it's like a bunch of old guys or not old, a bunch of older men who are like over 50 Mm -hmm. and they're so fucking hot. There's a bunch But they're of not them. like famous ones. They're like not They're model, not famous. Nope. Modelish kind yeah, of. Yeah, there's like modelly guys. Oh yeah. my god, honey. I mean, number 4 isn't that great looking. What about Pierce Brosnan? <sighs> oh, I do like him. If I were closer to his age. Yeah, I do like yeah. Pierce. I wish he had like bigger eye- eyes, but <laughs> yes, I do like him. Sorry, Pierce. Sorry,
1: Pierce. I always kind of had a little crush on Michael Jordan growing up, but I think it's just because it was spoon- Everyone. fed to he me with the Chicago everywhere. Bulls. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then she has one more question. Okay. Which is, what method of torture would you want to endure before your death? What do you mean by want, Alejandra? (laughs) (laughs) That's very, like, sadistic. Mm -hmm. Like, if you had to pick one, I guess, which would you pick? I'm going to have to say some psychological torture
0: yeah because i don't like, want pain.
1: i suck with physical pain but i've been in psychological pain for years yeah. so what's, what's <laughs> a little more
0: really agreed i, think I would tough there <laughs> i would much rather have psychological pain because i yeah. if i know that i'm going to be dead soon right you know what i mean yeah but i don't want like lashing or right. like yeah because maybe with like psychological you could turn the tables Maybe. Because I have a brain inside my head. Oh. And I feel like I could just turn the tables. Oh. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Maybe not, but. Okay, guys. It's all downhill from here. Yeah,
1: truly. This is what you came here for. The downhill. We're talking about serial killing duos today. We have two duos. We've got a duo
0: of duos. It's true. <laughs> so we actually are talking about four four not one not two not three but a whopping four scumbags Mm -hmm. i just want to know how you have that
1: conversation with someone right like how does that idea even come about hey
0: listen i was just wondering if you would be down to go slash some throats how do you know if the person you're seeing you know what i mean i feel like it takes a lot of scoping out oh yeah a friendship. Do they have a murder? They probably do. They got a murdar? They have a little bit of a murdar. Yeah.
1: They like hone in on someone. Yeah, right. And, like see if they take the bait maybe with like right. smaller things. They
0: probably are like, hey, you know, one time yeah. I raped a girl. You know what I mean? How do you and feel it, about that? Right. And it probably also depends on like, where are we meeting this new buddy? Yeah, Is it true. in jail? Is it at a bar? Is it at church? You know, right. if it's at church, you probably don't want to, you
1: probably <laughs> want to steer clear. We do know there's usually a alpha and a beta type of relationship, like a dominant and subordinate. Uh, The dominant wants complete psychological and physical control. And the subordinate, I know the psychology behind them is very complex. I was reading a lot about it and it's a lot, but sometimes it's fear or they have a low self-worth. They might have like a dependent personality disorder. They want to be liked. Yeah.
0: They want that yes. like
1: recognition and like the mm-hmm. pat on the back. And a lot of the time, what they're gaining from that relationship with their dominant partner is worth more to them than what they have to give up morally.
0: And it's probably also a relationship that they're gaining that they were looking for when they were growing up that they didn't mm-hmm. have. Yeah, something missing.
1: So whether that relationship is a romantic one, a friendship, or like a father-son relationship, it pretty much goes by the book. You know what right. I mean? Not in every single case, but in most of them. But what I think bothers me the most is how they find each other. It's not like there's like a dating website right. for like murderous duos. Yeah. It irks me that usually the dominant one knows what personality traits to look for right. in a murder partner. It bothers me that they know that. Whether I don't even know if they know they know that. You know right. what I mean? Oh, oh, I don't like it. So I'm going first this week. I'm going first. I'm going last. <laughs> And I'm going to tell you about the Speed Freak Killers. Okay, I don't know anything about them. Yeah, that was the name given by the media to the serial killing duo Lauren Herzog and Wesley Shermantine. These two went on a meth-induced murder spree Mm. in and around San Joaquin County, California, from the Central Valley to the Sierra Foothills and probably beyond
0: that lasted 15 years there's a lot of fucking killing murderous yeah people in california yes, my guys are from california too. too i was
1: looking for yeah I, I knew that they were from california i was looking for a duo and all of them were fucking from california, california. um anyway so they began killing in 1984 and didn't stop until 1999 wow yeah Okay. So to start at the beginning, Lauren and Wesley grew up together. So they had their murder partner built right in. How great. hmm They grew up on the same street as kids in Linden, California which is about 95 miles east of San Francisco. It was a little farming town, and it still is. The population at the 2010 census was still under 2,000 residents. Wow. Now, Wesley's dad was a contractor, and he was really successful at what he did, so this allowed him to spoil the ever-living fuck out of Wesley.
0: Oh, we always know that that turns out well. This is
1: like common knowledge, obviously, but don't do that. Right. So Wesley's dad, he also liked to go hunting, and he would take both of the boys out to kill animals, oh. catch fish. He showed them the ropes, and he taught them until they were old enough to do these things on their own. So since their town was so tiny and presumably boring as hell, Lauren and Wesley spent most of their childhood exploring San Joaquin counties, mine shafts, bodies of water, and hills. Okay. They were just kind of, you know, they'd always just be out exploring, Yeah. murdering animals. Yeah. What you do. Just little things. Mm -hmm. So high school rolled around and the boys remained very close. If one of them did something, the other did it too. They would bully together. They would drink together. Eventually, they did hard drugs together. They graduated high school in 1984. And they even ended up living together in Stockton where they got an apartment. And they really got like really, really hardcore into meth, among other drugs. So they're already codependent they're spiraling together and it wasn't the kind of friendship where like if one one's down the other helps helps them back up sure it was a mutual collapse they were actually sad sacks yes they were sad (laughs) together sad sacks of shit (laughs) (laughs) and they started murdering people oh how fucking convenient it's believed that they started killing at around 18 or 19 years old but like who the fuck knows really like you'll you'll see later on that we don't really know their body count at all it could have been earlier than that they chose their victims based on what they needed at that moment so money thrills drugs sex They were just going to take anyone down who could give them what they wanted. Friends, strangers, they didn't give a single shit. Wow. Now, a lot of the details on most of their murders are fuzzy. There were so many. There were a lot that were attributed to them that they never confessed to. There are some, for sure, that we don't even know about. That they never spoke about. Um, there's potentially dozens. God. But probably more. There are some that we know they killed, but they weren't sentenced for. You know, like... All the different avenues. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to do my best here. The duo's killing spree started with the alleged shootings of Paul Cavanaugh and Howard King in Stockton, California.
0: Which is where they were living, right?
1: Yeah, in their their apartment. The bodies of these two men were found off Highway 4, shot to death. Hmm. Howard King was a resident of Lathrop. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Sounds right. I think you're doing well. Sure. And Paul Cavanaugh was said to be a drifter next presumably was a man named henry howell who was also murdered in 1984 henry howell was found off highway 88 in alpine county with his head and teeth bashed in
0: oh i hate that Mm -hmm.
1: i wonder if they did that before or after he was dead you know what so i couldn't find a lot of details about most of these murders but i think they shot him oh in the head so I don't know if, it, and it was a shotgun, so I don't know if it looked like his head was bashed in, because, or I don't know. If they had, like, beat him yeah. up to uh, trap I, him. Yeah, I just, I there's just not enough on, on his specific case. Yes. September 4th, 1985, 24-year-old Roberta Armtrout goes missing. Roberta, or Robin, she went by Robin a lot, she was a sex worker, and it said that she was struggling with a meth addiction, too. Ugh. um She was really, really troubled, yeah. And she was last seen getting into a red pickup truck with Lauren and Wesley. Her body was found just a few days later on September 8th, 1985, face down on the bank of Potter's Creek right outside of Linden, which is their hometown. Roberta was naked, had been raped, and was stabbed 46 times. Come on, you fucking losers. Mm -hmm. Her family was able to identify her by obscenities that were carved into her lower abdomen and her wrist which i think she did that herself before she was murdered oh and they knew that she had um they were i don't know if they were carvings like scars or tattoos that she gave herself but they were yeah. curse words i don't yeah. know which ones that were that were on her body and that's how they had to identify her oh isn't that just sad In like 55 Robin. different levels yeah thank god so On October 8th, 1985, 16-year-old Chevelle, or Chevy, Wheeler went missing from Franklin High School in Stockton. Baby! She decided to skip school that day and go to Wesley's family cabin with him in San Andreas. Never a good idea. No, I'll have more on her later. Now, we're jumping ahead from 1985 to the end of 1998 because not a lot is known about Lauren and Wesley's crimes in between those times. We know that they, they kept on murdering. We really only know the information that they gave up willingly. Right. So, November 14th, 1998 cindy vanderheiden disappears that day cindy had lunch with her mom terry and then the two of them did some shopping cindy's dad john owned a bar in linden called the linden inn and it just so happened that lauren and wesley liked to hang out there they were regulars at the bar sure um so cindy told her mom she wanted to go sing karaoke that night at at that bar at the linden inn so she wanted her mom and dad to come with (laughs) actually but they were like no cindy we're tired so yeah. she <laughs> parent <laughs> problems that was a quote so she had a friend go with her instead um, so Cindy and her friend went to another bar in Linden that Cindy's dad also owned and Cindy left her car there and then the two of them drove to the Linden Inn in the friend's car once they got to the Linden Inn Cindy started talking to Lauren and Wesley now they were friends with Cindy's sister Kim And Lauren had like a pretty close relationship with Kim. I think they dated. Oh, wow. So she was comfortable around Lauren. Cindy was like she knew him. She, She didn't know Wesley all that well, though. She knew Wesley had a bad reputation. She knew he was investigated for the disappearance of Chevy Wheeler. Oh, okay. She knew he'd been accused of rape, but he was never charged with any of those things. So I think she was just kind of giving him the benefit of the doubt, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, not... N- yes, like, we have a true crime podcast. Right. We wouldn't give anybody the fucking, fucking benefit no. of the doubt. But, like, you have to think that's just not where her headspace was.
0: No. And it's easy when, like, you run in certain crowds, like, who frequent yeah. certain areas. And right. then you see these people all the time to be like, oh, you he is like a nice dude. Yeah, like, he would never do that. Right. You just assume you it's know.
1: fine. And especially since he was best friends with Lauren who had
0: always been protective of right. of her sister. Right. And it just seemed like she, she just wasn't worried about it. She also probably never really thought she would be in a position to like Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Like
1: you're in a bar. I'm right. like you're not all there like just alone, like right. with him like with him and the two guys. There's exactly. people around. So Cindy and her friend leave the bar around two AM. They went back to that first bar to pick up Cindy's car where they left it. And then her friend followed her home. Cindy's friend waited until Cindy pulled into her driveway, and then she drove herself home. Now, the next morning, Terry, Cindy's mom, checked her room to make sure she had gotten home okay, but Cindy wasn't there. Terry figured, well, she probably just went to work already. She had to work that morning. John, Cindy's dad, he didn't see her that morning either, so he decided to call Cindy's work to check on her. But she hadn't come into work that morning, Mm. and no one there had heard from her so Cindy's dad starts looking for her and he found Cindy's car with her purse and her cell phone inside Um, I couldn't find where he found her car but it it wasn't at home so he found her belongings but no Cindy the 50 people that were searching for her grew to over a thousand people searching for her her case made national news the San Joaquin Sheriff's Office was searching and investigating not only Cindy's case but Chevelle's too the 16 year old that disappeared. Right. And that was, at that point, it was 15 years earlier that she right. had disappeared. So they're starting to like connect these because they knew that Wesley was the last person to see Chevelle alive. And now he was one of the last people to see Cindy alive.
0: The common denominator. Yeah, if but, you will.
1: but like nothing else was connecting right. for them. They couldn't find any remains, no evidence. And with no probable cause, they couldn't search either Wesley or Lauren's property. Right. Until March of 1999, Wesley's car was impounded. (gasps) Thank God, because since it was impounded, the police were now allowed to search it. DNA matched blood found inside Wesley's car to Cindy Vanderheiden. And on March 17th, 1999, Wesley and Lauren were arrested for Cindy's murder, plus two of the murders from 1984. So, interrogations begin. And I'm going to start with what Lauren was saying. Sure. He decides to throw away any loyalty to Wesley. He threw it, just flushed it right down the toilet. Fucking threw that shit away. Yep. He says, there's only
0: room for one of us to be saved. And it's me, Mm -hmm. Wesley. Yep. Because he
1: was a subordinate. He says that Wesley and Cindy were partying the night she was murdered. And they had made plans to meet in a cemetery later that night because Cindy wanted to buy drugs from them. So they met up at Clement Cemetery and did drugs and then Wesley took them on this like crazy car ride on the back country roads. Lauren said Wesley suddenly pulled a knife and demanded that Cindy perform oral sex on him and then he pulled over, raped and sodomized her and then slit her throat. Lauren said he didn't say a word. He just stayed in the back seat of Wesley's car and turned his head away. So remember this is his account. Right. We don't know if that's true. And investigators didn't believe this story at all because everyone knew that Cindy was supposed to be at work the next morning. She liked that job. She enjoyed that job. She was trying to move up in the company that she worked for. No one bought that she would be out all night doing meth and then having to get up early and go to work and why would she drive all the way home into her driveway remember her friend followed her right if she was planning on meeting up with lauren and wesley that night after the bar
0: and you don't just like kind of like naturally like hop into doing meth like right. there's normally a little bit of a progression and right. it doesn't sound and like she's would, a drug addict and she
1: lived with her mom and dad you would yeah. think that they they would have know that known known or sensed something yeah yeah um but either way lauren's admission and the blood in wesley's car was enough to charge both of them both him and Wesley, for Cindy's murder. So Lauren's just talking and talking, and he tells police about that one time Wesley shot and killed a hunter in 1992 while they were vacationing in Utah. Oh. So they get on the phone with authorities in Utah, and they were like, yeah, a hunter was shot and killed at that time, but it's it's been unsolved this whole time. But, you know, Lauren's just like, oh, yeah, we did this, and he did that. Oh, he not we, he. Yeah, Wesley. Right. Wesley did this, and Wesley did that. Lauren also told police that Wesley was responsible for the murder of Henry Howell, one that I mentioned earlier, and Lauren's story was that he and Wesley noticed Henry Howell parked on the side of the highway, and Wesley pulled over, grabbed Henry's gun, murdered him, and stole his money. Lauren tells police about how Wesley murdered Robin Armtrout, the the woman who was stabbed, but they couldn't link any evidence in her case to Wesley at all. So Lauren was the only one charged in her murder. Lauren says that Wesley was the one who killed Howard King and Paul Raymond in 1984. Like, it was all Wesley. Yeah, Wesley did all of it. Like, I was there, but it was Wesley. I just watched. So we've got, like, this is a lot, I know, but we've got Lauren charged with the murders of Robin Armtrout, Cindy Vanderhyden, Howard King, Paul Kavanaugh, and Henry Howell. Like, we don't know for sure. But I don't think he just tagged along like he seemed to be implying. I think he was an active participant in these murders. But typically, the subordinate is going to give up the dominant to try to save their own ass. Yeah. Like, it's just usually what happens. Lauren ended up saying that Wesley was responsible for 24 murders altogether. And during that time, like during all these murders, Lauren just sat and watched.
0: I'm sorry what who I don't understand who yeah. would do that yeah
1: suck my asshole that's what I have to say because even if he didn't participate like he could have done something you're an
0: accomplice yeah
1: mm-hmm. self-serving piece of garbage Now, Wesley's interrogations. He doesn't say a whole lot, which is also typical of a dominant. Sure. Um, He told police that the night Cindy Vander disappeared, he met Lauren at the bar and they just hung out. They barely spoke to Cindy at all. Wesley said, oh, I barely even noticed her and she left the bar before I did, like an hour before I did. So can clear my name. Can't be me. So they decide Ugh. Yeah. So they decide to show Wesley the tapes from Lauren's interrogations where Lauren's pretty much blaming everything on him. Yeah. And that's when Wesley learned that his little buddy <laughs> his little buddy turned on him. Wesley said, quote, If Lauren can give details about all of these murders, it must mean he's the one that did them. I'm innocent. With everything Lauren told detectives, I bet my life there are other bodies out there. End quote. Okay. 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 Wesley, You have a good attorney. Yeah. Uh-huh. I watched a tape of one of his interrogations, and at one point, the investigator asked him, like, why was Cindy's blood in your car? How do you suppose that happened? And Wesley's like, oh, I don't know if it is Cindy's blood. And the investigator goes, like, I'm telling you. It's one hundred and sixty nine million to one that it's her blood, yeah. and Wesley's like, "Well, I don't know how it got there. Then I don't know, like you fucking moronic piece of shit, God." And they had mullets too. Well, the, like <laughs> he's like bald. Lauren had a mullet.
0: <laughs> yeah, just that's the fucking cherry on it top. It's a
1: fucking kicker. And they had and you got mullets. a mullet.
0: God. <laughs> you couldn't be more of a yes. loser loser. But
1: honestly, like you can't just sit there and lie when they are literally presenting you right. with facts. I put typical man trademark. <laughs> Honestly.
0: <laughs> uh, Lord on a cross. I'm sorry, but fuck you. Mm-hmm. And you, both. Yeah. Both of you.
1: So obviously, they don't get a ton of information out of him. But Wesley is charged with the murders of Chevelle Wheeler, Cindy Vanderheiden, Paul Kavanaugh, and Howard King. They offer to take the death penalty off the table for him Ugh. if he were to tell him where he had buried some of the bodies. But he declined, because you know, then he'd have to admit that he did it, and he right. sure as shit isn't going to do that. So they were still missing chevelle's body and Cindy's body at this point. So they have their trials in two thousand and one, and Lauren is found guilty of the murders of Cindy Vanderhyyden, Paul Cavanaugh, and Howard King. He was found guilty of being an accessory to murder in the case of Henry Howell. He was acquitted for the murder of Robin Armtrout. Lauren was sentenced to seventy eight years in prison. Wesley is found guilty of murdering Cindy Vanderhyden, Howard King, and Paul Cavanaugh, and Chavelle Wheeler. Just before sentencing, Wesley was suddenly up for making a deal because you know oh. he knew he was about to get fucking slammed. Yeah, surprise. Yeah, he it's was Yep. Yeah, he was willing to tell them where Cindy's body and three others were buried in exchange for $20,000 that he wanted to split between his two sons. Because oh. he knew he was going to jail for the rest yeah. of his life. So he wanted his his sons to be taken care of. But obviously they didn't take his deal because he already had his chance to make a deal. So he was like, well, I'll tell you where the bodies are if you take the death penalty off the table. And they're you. like, no, dude, that deal is over now. Th- can't stand yeah. the bargaining. Yeah, sorry about it. So Wesley Was sentenced to death and he was sent to death row at San Quentin Prison. Now, this is not the end of our bedtime story, folks. Sorry to break it to you because in 2004, an appeals court overturned three of Lauren's charges after ruling that his confessions were coerced. For the murder charge in the case of Cindy, he was granted a retrial. But instead of this retrial, they all just struck a plea bargain. I hate this. So, Lauren pled guilty to the voluntary manslaughter of Cindy and furnishing amphetamine. He also pled guilty to being just an accessory to murder in the other cases he was initially charged on. So, his sentence was reduced to 14 years, and he was given credit for time already served, which is six years. So, all in all, in part because of his good behavior, he ended up serving 11 years in prison and in 2010 he was about to be paroled darn but when people got wind of his like this this utter bullshit that was happening there was a very vocal uproar especially from the victim's families like can you even imagine oh no we're just gonna let him out now right Well, we decided he maybe he didn't do it fuck you so, as it turned out, no county in California was willing to let Lauren parole there. Good. Basically, every county in the state was like, fuck no, he's your problem. We don't want him. No one wants him. So, the California Department of Corrections plotted. <laughs> right. California Department of Corrections plopped him in a trailer outside of the front gate of the High Desert State Prison in Susanville, California. It's like, here, you live in this trailer (laughs) right right by the prison. Here you go. In 2012, Lauren took his own life by hanging inside of that parole trailer right after a bounty hunter named Leonard Padilla told him, yeah, Leonard came and told Lauren that Wesley was about to give up where some of the bodies were buried. And Wesley was also talking about an old abandoned well. Mm-hmm. So once Lauren got, got wind of this, he, he offed himself. So like, obviously, oh, you're fucking guilty. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We all fucking knew it. Right. Wesley ended up telling investigators the locations of the bodies from his prison cell inside San Quentin. And an anonymous inmate came forward and said that before Lauren was paroled, he told this inmate that he and Wesley had murdered 112 people.
0: God. Yeah.
1: So Wesley draws up a map. He said that he was he was doing this for no other reason than to bring closure to the victim's family. It's like, yeah, fucking right. Okay. Yeah. Because you know what? It turns sure. out. Yeah. Because it turns out he made a deal with that bounty hunter, Great Leonard job, Padilla. Yeah. How, do, how do I do that? Yeah. Great job, guys. Great job. Great job.
0: Great job. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do yeah. it again.
1: So I don't think it was that because he made a deal with that bounty hunter, Leonard yeah. Padilla. He made a deal for $30,000, so Leonard was going to pay him to give up the locations of the bodies for $30,000, so he could buy a typewriter, candy, and some other fucking bullshit. So he draws up this map that leads investigators to five burial sites. Now Wesley is of course blaming all the murders on Lauren, just like Lauren did to him, and blah blah blah. We're babies, so he details a place near San Andreas that he called Herzog's Boneyard. Herzog is Lauren's last name, so oh, like Lauren's okay. Boneyard. This is where the rem- a big piece of yeah. the this is where the remains of Cindy vanderheiden and Chevelle Wheeler were found. So I'm glad that they at least fucking found yeah, them. You right. know the abandoned well he was talking about, investigators found over 1,000 human bone fragments inside what? of it.
0: Oh my god.
1: Some of the victims they were able to identify were Kimberly Billy, 19 years old, and Joanne Hobson, 16 years old. Oh. There was at least one other unidentified victim in the well, along with an unidentified fetus.
0: Oh, come on. Yeah.
1: After this, Wesley wrote a letter to a Sacramento TV station, basically saying that he can tell them where to find more remains, but he was just waiting for Leonard Padilla to come through with that $30,000. He still hadn't paid him yet. Um, in the letter, he wrote, this is Wesley, Wesley wrote, quote, I really want to believe in Leonard, but I have these doubts he'll come through, which is a shame because I've been holding the best for last in September of 2012 Leonard Padilla paid Wesley that 30 grand which I hate but I mean if he thought he was going to give families closure that's worth 30 grand to me I just wish it didn't go to him right but what can you do um and Wesley was let out of prison and into police custody so that he could physically lead police to more burial sites these were four more abandoned wells near Linden But from what I read, I don't think they ended up finding any more remains in those locations. It seems like Wesley was just kind of stringing them along, probably because he finally got his money. Yeah, right. Um, And they ended the search for more victims in 2012 based on information from Wesley. So since that time and during a lot of the investigation and trials and everything, the San Joaquin County Sheriff's Office has been in a shit ton of hot water about all of this and how it was handled. Several victims' families have alleged that the San Joaquin County Sheriff's Office interfered with and deliberately hampered the search for additional possible victims. Missing persons records related to the Speed Freak Killers case have been deleted, making things even harder Yeah, and hampering the investigation even more. In 2014, the mom of a missing woman filed a lawsuit against the San Joaquin County Sheriff's Office. She was alleging that they mishandled the remains found in that well. Yeah. And that they deliberately used a backhoe to rake through the bones, which obviously destroyed a lot of them. So that the absence of those deleted files wouldn't be noticed. Like, isn't that fucked? In 2018, the new sheriff of San Joaquin County announced that the Speed Freak Killers case would be reopened. Just this past March, 2020, a bone fragment was found by a farmer in a well near Linden, and I haven't seen anything about whether or not they were able to identify it yet, um, but the San Joaquin County Sheriff, Patrick Withrow, had this to say at a press conference. Quote, I reached out to as many family members as we could, who have been victimized by the speed freak killers in the past. We're not going to quit until we find out and get the answers, end quote. He says he knows the families have been extremely frustrated with how the previous administration like dropped the ball, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, oh, um, And they're ready to help them find some closure, even if they have to do it one bone at a time. They've even opened up a new dedicated cold case unit, which is needed, obviously. Um, now that they haven't reached out to Wesley again yet, but if they can get DNA off this bone fragment, the, he said that they're going to talk to him and see if he can tell them anymore. Sure. So that's that's the Speed Freak killers, guys. It's a lot. That is a lot. That was a fucking lot. There were so, so many, many it's a names. Lot to take it. You should have seen me researching. I had like 25 tabs open. Oh, like
0: God. My computers are going to burn up. Man, literally. Oh, my gosh. Okay. <sighs> that was a doose, And it I'm about to give you a little doozy as a well. A doose. All right. Sock it to me. This is a little ditty. About Lawrence Bittaker and Roy Norris, otherwise known as the Toolbox Killers. I'm not going to like this. You're, I, no, um, Also, do not confuse this evil duo with the Toybox Killer. Totally different entity. Just as evil, but different. But different. So let's chat about Lawrence Bittaker first doesn't he just have a nasty name? I don't like that name. Ugh, he, sounds gives you like, the he sounds like a toolbox killer. <laughs> totally. So Lawrence was an oopsie. His parents didn't want him. And they were very vocal about it. Um, So he was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania in 1940. His mom had stated many times that she had never wanted children. She made it abundantly clear throughout her entire life. And she was fucking pissed when she found out she was with child oh no Mm -hmm. so his parents ended up putting him in an orphanage where he was adopted out as an infant okay so his father knew his father did not want him either Mm. so now let's talk about his adoptive parents his adoptive father worked in aviation and that was a really big deal because they moved a lot okay they were constantly moving they were never in one place for long he never felt like this like home feeling you Mm -hmm. know like when you think about like your your childhood home or your your childhood town lawrence did not have that at the age of 12 he was arrested for the very first time for shoplifting he kept getting arrested after that like a bunch of little like small petty theft charges And then, in 1957, Lawrence's family was living in California, where all of the weirdos are. (laughs) I'm kidding, but not really. (laughs) Apparently, he had a very high IQ, but he still struggled in school for whatever reason, for various reasons. Because kids don't learn the same, no matter how smart they are. Exactly. So, because of that, he ended up dropping out of high school when he was 17, which is so fucking unfortunate because he was so damn close. Yeah, Like, if is you're going to drop out of high school, do it when you're fucking 14. I know you how he feels, years, though, man. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's, like,
1: so fucking close. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just, like, stick it out a little
0: bit more. Yeah. Um, and after he dropped out, he then proceeded to steal a car and commit a hit and run and evade arrest. Naturally. Yeah, naturally. So, he was sentenced to the California Youth Authority until he was 18. We've talked about the California Youth Authority a few times Eddie Kemps. This. Yeah, he was yeah. there. It's also said that he and Lawrence were there. Ed Kemper and Lawrence were there at the same time. Oh shit! So doesn't that? It, I, in my research, I never found anything out about like the two of them being yeah. buddies or anything. But it just—it makes you wonder. Like, did they have conversations? Yeah. You did know? They,
1: did their paths cross? Did they eat lunch together? Did they eat their pea soup mm-hmm. at the same time? You never know. Did one slurp and one
0: didn't? That is how you identify the real strange ones the slurpers Mm -hmm. (laughs) God. god um so after he turned 18 he was released out back into the world and he went back to find his adoptive parents again but then he found out he was hit with the fucking harsh reality i should say that his adoptive parents just fucking left oh they fucking got out oh. of town while he was away mm-hmm. hmm. they fucking <laughs> fled Hot. they left no contact information Shit. and just totally abandoned the dude you're while like, he was in the california youth authority fuck no you're not coming back home no. to this house no fuck that so okay so now <laughs> let's talk a little bit about roy norris Roy was born to a mother who was not married, which was, like, super against the norm at the time. We all know about how, like, decades and decades and decades ago, like, it was not proper to no. we- to to have a child out of wedlock. You fucking heretic. God. I don't know where that accent, my accent <laughs> took off somewhere. We're also
1: drinking wine this time. <laughs> at the end of last week's episode, we were pretty tipsy. Oh, God. <laughs>
0: It's you know what, I was doing really good with not drinking too. You're yeah. a bad influence. I hadn't drank for months. Well, until once a last week time. is fine. No, that's we're, true. That's we're true. Totally
1: fine. I'll go to Target, get more My five dollar wine. Yeah. And bring it.
0: My problem is when I'm drinking in like a social setting. Yeah. Because I can't stop drinking. Yeah. And I'm only drinking because I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. And I don't like how I get. But yep. that's that's a topic for a different day. Same. Okay. So since, you know, we're in the 40s or 50s or whenever the fuck he was born, since it was super judgy back then, his parents ended up getting married. So Roy's mother was like a drug addicted housewife. Okay. Roy kept getting placed into foster families, even though like he had his parents and everything, Mm -hmm. but he just did not have a very good home life. And then he would end up coming back I'm surprised back then that they even noticed I know that they care you know. I know. There must have been somebody like trying well, to advocate yeah. for him or something. His parents, his biological parents, were both very abusive. They told him that he wasn't wanted, he wasn't planned, he was just very verbally abused. God damn. It's very clear to see, and you will all find out, that it really fucks with a child. Oh uh, yeah. So at 16, Roy was living with his parents again, and they went and visited some relative who was in her 20s, and Roy started hitting on her, like, oh, majorly hitting on her. No. Yeah, he, she, he was being super forward with her, and she was like, get the fuck out. Like, yeah, no, absolutely right. the fuck not. So she told his dad, and then his dad was like, okay, I'm going to beat his ass. So <laughs> God. after his dad was, like, coming for him... He ended up stealing his dad's car, and he drove it to the Rocky Mountains, and he tried to kill himself by injecting air into one of his veins. Oh, no. Yeah, but sadly, it didn't work. Uh. And I say sadly because shit's about to get real. Right. Okay. So police ended up finding him and brought him back home to the parents that verbally fucking abused him. Roy ended up enlisting in the army, and he served in Vietnam. He completed only one tour, and then he was discharged. He that is where he first experimented with heroin was while he was overseas all right now meanwhile our buddy lawrence he's still getting arrested left and right he gets arrested again more shit with petty theft and and um grand larceny and Mm -hmm. things like that in 1960 he got released from prison and he just kept fucking going he he could not stop committing crimes why not In May of 1961, he was sentenced to 15 years for another crime. He only ended up serving three years, and he was released... And then in 1964, he did more time, was released again, and then did more time another year, and then he was released again. So he just kept going in and coming out. It was just, it's a fucking puzzle. I don't even know if I said that right, but you guys get my, get my drift, okay? You'd think they'd notice at some point, like he's not going to stop. Right, exactly. Man. So it just kept fucking happening. His record is miles long. Like a CVS receipt. Fucking yeah. He just kept getting fucking sentenced and released. Sentenced and released. doing a, do, Sentenced for a very long time, doing very little time, released back mm. out into the fucking world. Expected to behave appropriately. Right. Like, you know, he's not going to behave he's appropriately. He's not getting rehabilitated <sighs> whatsoever. God, his brain. Like, think about it. Yeah. Now, after he was released for the millionth time, he upped his ante a little bit. He ended up stabbing a grocery store employee after the employee accused him of shoplifting from the store. The employee visibly saw him steal a steak, and he went outside behind him and he was like, hey, did you forget to pay? And Lawrence ended up turning around, stabbing him in the chest and attempting to run away. But other employees held him down until authorities got there. Come on, Lawrence. Um, the only silver lining here is that the employee survived. That's good. Mm -hmm. They're just trying to do their fucking job. They (sighs) have it fucking hard enough. He ended up getting convicted of assault with a deadly weapon, and he was sentenced to the California Men's Colony in California. All right. Now... November 1969, we're jumping back to Buddy Roy. He was arrested for rape and assault with intent to commit rape, and he was basically just trying to, like, deceive some woman that he randomly showed up to her house, right? And he was trying to get her to let him in the house. Mm-hmm. She was like, no, and then he ended up breaking in, or he tried to break in, and shit just fucking escalated from there. I hate that so fucking much. Yeah. Oh, God. If you can't find something to stick your dick in, put it in your palm. Or or a fucking blender yeah oh yeah even better blend Um, that shit right up you'll never have the problem again So, police arrested him, and in May of 1970, he made bail and got the fuck out of jail. So, right after he got out, he ended up attacking a student that he started to stalk at San Diego State. He ended up hitting her multiple times with a rock on the back of the head, and then he beat her head against the sidewalk. He ended up getting slapped with assault with a deadly weapon charge. That's it? That's it. That's it. He spent five years in prison, and they ended up labeling him with the title of Mentally Disordered Sex Offender. Okay. But then, in 1975, he was released. He had five years of probation, and doctors said he was no longer a threat to others. Because apparently five years just cures your mental illnesses.
1: Yeah, why not? That you
0: originally said that he had. Okay, However, three months later... He approached a woman in her 20s who was walking. He offered her a ride on his motorcycle. She fucking declined because no. I'm not getting on the back of your motorcycle, you piece of shit. But then he pulled his motorcycle over, grabbed her, dragged her into the woods, twisted her scarf around her neck, and raped her. Fuck off. They were not able to catch who it was until a month later, when the woman saw Roy again on his motorcycle... So, she cleverly wrote down his license plate number. Yes, girl. uh Uh-huh. And handed that over to the authorities, and he was arrested. I love her. Mm Mm-hmm. A year later, he was tried, he was convicted, and he was sentenced to the California men's colony. Ring a bell? Hmm. Ring-a-ding-ding, motherfuckers. Here we go. This is where Lawrence and Roy met, and their budding, disgusting friendship started. Lovely. They became buddies. Besties. Best friends. Blah. Yeah. Eh. Yeah. I fucking hate them. So their conversation started with Roy supposedly teaching Lawrence how to make jewelry. Ooh. In the California Men's Colony. Oh, fancy boy. That's what they do there, apparently. So they started to get close while they were making fucking jewelry, but then Lawrence ended up saving Roy from an attacker, like, inside the prison. Somebody was trying to attack him multiple times, and and that's when their budding friendship really fucking took off, apparently. You saved me. Yeah. So then, at a later date, they're conversing together, probably, like, getting each other off, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. just just friend things. Swapping stories. Yeah, Yeah. And, and Roy was like, hey, hey, hey. Hey Lawrence. Hey, I love the way women look when they're scared. <laughs> and Lawrence was like, "Hey, if I ever raped a woman, I'd kill her." And then they just decided <laughs> that that's what they were gonna do. So, like, number one, to go fuck yourselves. Mm-hmm. Like, just go get just uh, fuck yourselves. Yeah. Is it hard? Quite literally. It's so much easier. Fuck yourself. God. Um. So whatever. It's said that they devised this plan together to rape and torture and just severely defile women Mm -hmm. once they were both out in the world again one of their plans was to take a woman from like every like teenage age range from like 13 ish like 18 or 19 and um kidnap them and rape and murder them so like one 13 year old one 14 year old Uh. yeah one 15 year old lawrence was very good at hiding his shitty personality like he had this fucking smile to him psychopath yeah you know what i mean you'll see Mm -hmm. it in the fucking pictures you guys have probably already seen them by now but still um people who knew him fucking liked him um they said that he donated a lot of his money and his time and was just a an upstanding community citizen and I just want them to, I want to, like, bash their heads together and be like, numbskulls? Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> He's a deceiver. He's a liar and a cheat. He's a deceiver. God. So, anyway, Lawrence <laughs> and Roy ended up getting out and going on their merry ways and then meeting up. They had corresponded via mail, and they set up a time and a day to meet at a hotel. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's there at this hotel that they first met up. That they first met up at. That they came up with their full foolproof method and plan to kidnap, rape, and murder women. They purchased a silver 1977 GMC cargo van. It had no windows aside from like the passenger driver and the front windshield. It was said to be, like, the perfect vehicle for what they wanted to do. Like, Mm -hmm. you've seen them. Yeah.
1: Like, that's, that,
0: I remember when we were kids, we would, like, joke, like, oh, here comes the rape van. Yeah. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like, and I, and I just can't, like, that's exactly what they did. Yeah. They ended up like fully getting this vehicle ready for what their plan was. They put a bed in the back. Underneath the mattress, they ended up putting a toolbox, which is where they get their names. Mm -hmm. And this is where they housed a bunch of tools that they would later use on the women to kidnap, torture, and ultimately kill their victims. Once they got everything set up, they started stalking. They would drive up and down the coastline in California where all the weirdos live. (laughs) Where Ed Kemper is. (laughs) And they would hang out at the beach and they would just like be testing the waters, you know. Mm -hmm. Their very first victim together was a 16-year-old girl who was walking alone. Her name was Lucinda, and she went by Cindy Schaefer. Isn't that weird yeah. that there's a Cindy in yours, too? Yeah. It's like we we did do the same things, right. like in a parallel universe. Well, what's
1: with these fucking men doing the same fucking shit? Right. God, right. In the same state. Men are the
0: fucking worst. So, Cindy had been at a church meeting, and mm-hmm. she was walking home. They... And by they, I mean fucking disgusting Lawrence and disgusting Roy mm-hmm. pulled over in their rape van and they asked her if she wanted a ride. And Cindy was like, nope. Yeah. Not taking a ride from you. I know better. But then they offered her weed and beer. She still said no. Yeah. Sorry. You're not going to lure me in with your weed and beer. <laughs> i can get my own weed and yeah you fucking losers you're (laughs) old and washed up um so the two guys fucking got pissed they kept driving a little bit down the road they pulled along the side of the road lawrence jumped out and he pretended to be working on the van Mm. so cindy had to walk past them naturally and he ended up dragging her into the van and kidnapping her (sighs) It's said that they started driving, they turned the volume way up really loud while Roy went into the back and tied her up. And he is said to have raped her first after telling Lawrence to go take a walk, like when they Mm. got to like a certain point, you know. And so Lawrence went for a walk for an hour and then they switched. And then Roy took a walk for an hour and Lawrence Mm. had her for an hour. It's just fucking disgusting. Supposedly they argued about murdering her. So Roy... It said that roy tried strangling her he didn't like the fact that she was making like this this like really painful like pained face oh yeah yeah so he fucking ran out to the front of the van and barfed
1: oh that's too much for
0: him all all of a sudden never mind like you should be barfing because you're fucking kidnapping and raping and murdering a woman a child not because of the fact that you're fucking she's making a, a pained face yeah god that's a baby. Yeah. 16. God damn. So then Lawrence supposedly tries and he successfully makes her pass out. He then wraps a wire from the toolbox around her neck using pliers and then wrapped her body in a shower curtain and then threw Mm. her lifeless body over a canyon. They assumed the animals would just eat her and there would be no evidence. Mm. Two weeks later, the pair saw Andrea Hall, 18 years old. She was hitchhiking on the side of the highway, and the car in front of them actually pulled over and offered her a ride, and she got into that car. Oh. So they were like, fuck me. Like, damn it. We were just too late. But they ended up following her, and once Andrea got out of the car, they asked if they could give her a soda. Roy ends up tackling her, and Andrea put up a fucking really good fight, supposedly. Mm -hmm. However, he ended up twisting her arm. He gagged her. He bound her. He um, bound her wrist and her ankles, and then they drove back to the same spot that they threw Cindy's body over the canyon. Supposedly, Lawrence raped her twice, and Roy raped her once, before Lawrence made her walk naked up the road. (sighs) And then he made her give him oral sex. And then he made her pose for Polaroid pictures. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. Roy went to the gas station in the meantime, and when he got back, Lawrence was alone and Andrea was no longer there. Lawrence supposedly said he made Andrea tell him all the reasons that he should allow her to live. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. And apparently he did not find them good enough. Because he ended up stabbing her in both of her ears with ice picks. Oh, my God. He strangled her and he threw her over the canyon. No, that's fucking terrible. Yep, yep. Now, next we have Jackie and Jacqueline. Okay, so two people, not to be confused as one. They were at a bus stop together and Lawrence and Roy pulled over and offered them a ride. They had offered them weed, and Jackie and Jacqueline accepted, and the woman actually noticed that Lawrence was driving towards the San Gabriel Mountains, which is not where they were supposed to be going, mm-hmm. so she, the one woman actually kind of like freaked out a little bit. She knew something weird was going on. She tried to get out of there by opening the door, but Roy ended up hitting her on the back of the head, knocking her unconscious. The other woman tried escaping, but Roy was right there. She even got out of the van, but he got her back into the van because he's bigger, stronger, you know. Mm -hmm. They pulled the van over. Lawrence got out and punched her in the face, and then they bound and gagged both of the women. After nearly two days of holding the two women and raping them repeatedly, Lawrence takes photos again, just being a complete piece of shit. He even recorded via a tape recorder him raping her and calling her his cousin what yeah i don't know he's fucking God, fucked this up this is
1: making me like mm-hmm.
0: i told gag. you i told you i told you um, it was very hard to research lawrence and roy ended up murdering both jackie and jacqueline and it was fairly similar to how they had murdered their other victims with the ice picks God, I hate um, that. they even used sledgehammers oh, mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. and strangulation So now we have 16-year-old Shirley Ledford. She was abducted on Halloween night. She's trying to have fun. Yeah, no shit. She's a kid. This was in 1979. She was outside a gas station getting ready to hitchhike home from a Halloween party. Mm. Yeah. And it said that she recognized Lawrence. She was a waitress at a nearby place and she thought... And she was like, "Oh, I know that guy. I've waited on him before." Yeah. So when they asked if she wanted a ride, she felt safe. However, despite knowing him, the, you guys—they say that ha- the majority of the time people know their attackers. Yeah. They know the people who are raping them, who are murdering them. Mm-hmm. Do not trust anyone. Don't anyone trust him. So they ended up tying her up, gagging her. Roy ended up tormenting her. This was also recorded via a tape recorder. God. Was that stuff found? Yeah some of it <sighs> it's just very fucking heartbreaking and gruesome and i did not go try and find these tapes i would i would suggest you don't either right i don't know why anyone would want to hear that yeah i would assume that it's probably i mean i know that they used from you know doing all my research i know that they use them in the trial and in the investigation right. and stuff but when it was I, necessary yeah we it. don't need to fucking hear yeah. women dying no <sighs> Anyway, so he ended up raping her, sodomized her with pliers. No. Yeah. He hit Shirley with a sledgehammer 25 times and then strangled her to death with wire around her throat. Oh my god so lawrence and roy decided they would put shirley's body on the lawn of some random house what the
1: fuck so terrorize even more people they wanted to see what what what? the media
0: would do so they put her on the front lawn of a random house and she was found the next morning by someone who was jogging in the neighborhood damn it November 1979, Roy was reacquainted with an old friend named Joseph Jackson, who was also incarcerated with him at some point during his stint, you Mm. know. Roy ended up telling him all about the murders and all about all of their crimes and they, he and Lawrence had committed together and the dude ended up fucking telling his attorney about it. They informed and the the attorney was like, dude, we're going to go to the LAPD, yeah. right? So they went to the LAPD and Paul, who was a detective at the time, started his investigation. Things added up. So like sometimes when you get confessions from people, they want less probation time or less mm-hmm. this or less that. But no, apparently, according to Paul, reports of women who had gone missing matched what this guy was saying. There was also a lady who had been sprayed in the face with mace and raped and she had gotten away. Yeah. And, and it just all added up. It made sense. Right. Okay. So Robin, the lady who was sprayed with the mace and raped, she was shown photos, like mugshots, and she was able to accurately identify Lawrence and Roy from their mugshots. shots. Wow. So Roy is placed under surveillance and they find him dealing drugs. He gets arrested for violating his parole. And the exact same day, Lawrence was arrested for rape robin wow good job robin so then robin was brought in to personally id the two scumbags in a lineup she could not accurately 100 percent, without a doubt identify them but you know how they fucking make them look alike and shit yeah um but she was fairly certain it was both of them so i mean it makes sense the authorities end up searching the hotel that lawrence was staying at and that's where they find all of the polaroid photos oh shit yeah, so that basically does. You're hit fucking it. done for. Yeah, they find all these photos with these women who were who were reported missing, and they know they finally have a case. They search the van, they find all the tools: the sledgehammer, the ice picks, the wire, the pliers, tape recordings, necklaces—so much evidence, mm-hmm. you know. And they ended up finding more than five hundred photos of women in the possession of the two men wow. between the hotel, a home, and the van. At first, Roy fucking denied everything, mm-hmm. literally everything, Yeah. until he was confronted with evidence, and then he started confessing. However, he said Lawrence was the mastermind yeah. behind it all. Sounds familiar, right? Mm-hmm. Now, this is from Wikipedia. Norris attended a preliminary hearing in relation to the September 30th rape which was of Robin. Mm. By this stage, Roy was beginning to display visible signs of stress. At the hearing, he waived his Miranda rights before Detective Bynum and Deputy District Attorney Stephen Kay began questioning him, initially in relation to the rape of Robin Robeck, then in relation to the statements given to police by Joseph Jackson and the evidence recovered from his and Bideker's residences. Initially, he flatly denied any involvement in any murders, rapes, or disappearances. However, when confronted with the evidence investigators had compiled, he began to confess, although he did attempt to portray Bittaker as being more culpable in the murders than himself, yeah, which is what I had just mentioned. They're besties until they get caught. Oh, yeah, and then forget God. him. He ended up divulging that he and Bittaker had been in the habit of driving around areas such as the Pacific Coast Highway and randomly approaching girls whom they found attractive with offers of a ride, posing the pair for photographs or marijuana. Most of those whom they approached rejected. (laughs) Yeah. Good on them. No, you fucking dirtbags. Yeah, right. Inside the van, the girls would typically be overpowered, bound, hand and foot, gagged, and driven to locations deep within the San Gabriel Mountains, where they would be sexually assaulted by both men, then usually killed by strangulation with a wire coat hanger, although two of the victims had ice picks driven into their ears before being strangled. Roy admitted to bludgeoning their youngest victim on the head with a sledgehammer, as Bideker strangled her. He also admitted to repeatedly striking Shirley Ledford upon the elbow with a sledgehammer before strangling her to death, The bottles of acid that were found at Bitteker's motel, which I didn't mention, Mm -hmm. Norris stated were intended for use upon a new victim that they had, you know, like somebody that they were planning on next. He stated that the acts of torture and humiliation had been committed against their victims for fun. Hmm. According to Norris, the level of brutality Bitteker had exhibited toward their victims had increased on each successive instance they had successfully lured a girl into the van. Their final victim, Shirley Ledford, had actually pleaded to be killed in order that her agony would cease. End quote. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. Now, let's talk a little bit about Lawrence Bitteker's trial. This is a quote. The most damning evidence presented at Lawrence Bitteker's trial was a 17-minute section of the audio tape the pair had created, of Shirley Ledford's abuse and torment. The audio tape, which had been found inside Lawrence's van, and which Roy Norris had earlier testified that Lawrence had repeatedly played as he drove in the weeks prior to his arrest, like he played it mm-hmm. constantly For fun. on the loop. Yep, For fun. To relive it. He said that it was real funny. I hope, I don't know what, what happens with these guys, but I hope they fucking fry. I feel like it could have been worse, but... So that was presented as evidence during his trial. Stephen K. forewarned the jury, quote, For those of you who do not know what hell is like, you will find out, end quote. <sighs> now this, is a, this quote is carrying on. More than 100 people were present in the courtroom as the tape was played. Many members of both the jury and the audience wept openly upon hearing the contents, with several members of the audience either burying their heads in their hands dabbing tears from their eyes or rushing out of the courtroom before the tape had finished. Lawrence Spittaker was undisturbed at the hearing and he even smiled throughout hearing the recording. <sighs> So that was just a little bit of, like, both of their trials. Mm -hmm. Um, 19 of the women in the Polaroids were reported missing and may have been murdered, but we still don't know about a lot of them. They could not say for sure that the two men killed them, despite having photos of them, because there was no evidence or admission. Right. Also, during all of this, the bodies of Jackie and Jacqueline were found at the bottom of a canyon. Jackie still had an ice pick lodged in her skull. No. Goddamn. Lawrence and Roy were each charged with five murders. Lawrence was denied bail, and Roy's bail was set at 10000 He ended up accepting a plea bargain as well. He said as long as he was not given the death penalty, he would testify against Lawrence, which is what you heard a little mm. bit of a few minutes ago. Now, Roy pleaded guilty. He was sentenced to 45 years, and he was not given the death penalty because he gave up so much information about Lawrence. Mm -hmm. Lawrence had 29 charges against him. He stayed totally silent and therefore the judge put in a not guilty plea during his trial. Oh, wow. Yeah. During his trial, it only took the jury 15 minutes of deliberation (laughs) to find him guilty, obviously. I can can imagine. Yeah. Wow. He showed absolutely zero emotion and even had the audacity to appeal.
1: Mm, Yeah.
0: So, yep. it went all the way up to the Supreme Court. They were like, fuck you. No. Yeah. You need to be fucking executed. Right. Because that, he, they actually slapped the execution mm-hmm. on him. Right. But, he fucking appealed again. Further stay of execution in 1981. Okay. Okay. But, he was still awaiting his good old execution, like a firm date. Yeah. When he died this past December. Wow. In 2019. 2019? Was, yeah. Wow. Roy ended up dying in February of twenty twenty, so a mere two months after his buddy. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Couldn't live without Aww. him. He said the only reason he did anything was because he was afraid of Lawrence. Go fuck yourself, Roy. Wow. I hope that they are reincarnated as toilet paper. Me too. He was up for parole in 2009, but he declined to go to the hearing. So in 2019, he was set up for parole again. He was denied. And then, as we all know, he died in February of 2020. Also, I think it's important to note that Paul, who was a detective, remember, originally? Yeah, yeah. He ended up committing suicide. Oh He wow. was only in his 30s. Ugh. He even wrote a 10-page suicide note. Wow. He basically was talking about how the murders committed by Roy and Lawrence haunted him. Oh. And he just couldn't fucking handle it. He feared oh. that they would get out of prison. Guys, he just couldn't handle it. Yeah.
1: That's so fucking sad. Yeah. Also, so he's
0: another victim.
1: Oh, for sure. Absolutely.
0: God. Also, I totally forgot. Remember how I was talking about the tapes and how I couldn't, I wasn't going to look for them? Yeah. yeah. I forgot that I had found out by a YouTube video that the FBI actually has access to the tapes mm-hmm. and they use it to desensitize their agents to murder. No shit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
1: Crazy.
0: Oh my God. So yeah. And that's, that's a toolbox
1: killers. That's crazy. God. Yeah. What's with all these California scumbags? I know. Can somebody are you a, tell me? Specifically in like 60s, 70s, 80s. Right. What? Yeah. What?
0: yeah. I don't know. You guys, are you from California? Are you listening from California? Is there something in the water? Is there a lot of weirdos around where you live? Yeah. What are we missing here? Let us know. Have you ever came into contact with a big ass weirdo? Yeah. And you were just like, oh, wow. I bet he's the killer. Yeah. You know, and I'm using the he pronoun because... The people that we just talked about were fucking yeah. he's. I mean, a lot of them are he's bastards. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Ugh. Fuck me up. I just can't. You know how I said before we started, like I couldn't mm-hmm. go into detail. Yeah. Like I fe- I couldn't go into more detail than mm-hmm. that. There was some detail out there about the the ice picks and stuff, and I just feel like it does no one, right? No one any fucking good. Yeah. All right, Tori. What are you reading, watching, or listening to? Oh my god. No, I'm not reading anything. Um, I did just get my next novel back from the editor so that's what i have to work on because it comes out in less than a month <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> woo um that's scary and terrifying and just awful but so that's what I have to be doing now, so I won't be reading. I won't be watching and I certainly won't be listening. I will be working
1: on that. What yeah. about you?
0: Um,
1: I haven't had much time for TV, so I've been watching like one episode of Criminal Minds <laughs> before I fall asleep. Oh um, it's just my nighttime lullaby, you know, murder. Yeah. There's so many shows though, that I want to watch. yeah, so fucking many. Tara in our Facebook group, and she's one of our patrons, yeah, she recommended you, uh Lovecraft Country. And I fucking want to watch it. I so must have
0: missed that comment. If you guys, uh, just a quick sidebar. If you guys ever are talking to me in the group, please tag me. Because for some reason, I don't get notifications. Reading,
1: I did pick up Heart Bones by Colleen Hoover for no other reason besides peer pressure. But yeah. it's actually good so far. I love Colleen, though. That's why I got it. Yeah. I just really like her writing style. It is like new ad- adult i didn't realize mm-hmm. how young they were and i usually would not pick up a book if i knew that yeah but i can't put it down yeah so there goes my whole all my fucking uh prejudice against yeah. <laughs> genres and 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 yeah shit.
0: everyone says it's fucking amazing it's like their new favorite colleen hoover book yeah
1: but- it's good <sighs> listening Okay, I want you all to know that I f- I have it in my mind that sometimes people think that we're going to like talk about music that we've been listening to because it's listening. Oh, yeah. But um I don't listen to music. No. And don't feel bad for me because like
0: I have I don't know, I just haven't purposefully purpose, <laughs> purposefully or purposely. I, don't know. I haven't that's, that's why when though when I earlier I said I don't know if you're going to leave it in or not, but when I said rain on me. Yeah, not a fucking You had clue. no fucking idea. And that's not like a the biggest pop song right now. Not I that don't I know. really listen to pop, yeah. but like I hear it, you
1: know. I don't know any of them. Okay, guys, the radio in my car doesn't work. Yeah. I right. haven't, I have not purposely turned on music in years. It's all podcasts. Yeah. So... Um, I don't know what to tell you about that. I just can't get into music like I used to. I we used to like both be like super yeah, super. That it, was like breathe it. Love we it. would put on like MySpace music as my life with a Y, a yeah, Y-F-E. Um, it. it's yeah, it's podcast. So the one podcast that I did binge this past week was Morbid's three part series on the murder of Brenda Sue Schaefer, and I don't know how those girls do it. Like, they're great, but like, all three parts on Brenda Sue's, <laughs> Brenda Sue Schaefer's case were over an hour long. Oh my God. Like, bless wow. them. They're take, because they're taking like a super deep dive Yeah, like every little detail, which is amazing. Amazing. For and that's sure. so much work. Yeah. And oh I God. can listen to it, but I don't know if I can do it. I don't know. <laughs> I can listen I, to it. I know
0: how much work we put into <laughs> yeah. one episode. Mm-hmm. So, knowing like one case was three episodes. Yeah. Yeah yikes yeah oh, mama
1: yeah bless their hearts and yeah. i mean that in a good way not in a snarky southern way
0: Whew. but yeah that's about it okay well we have to go because katie is clearly done with this episode. i just slammed my laptop shut for no reason she, you guys <laughs> she she fucking said she was saying how morbid you know did this great job and shit and then she fucking just slammed her laptop and shut. i'm out. (laughs) End scene. Katie, out. (laughs) What the fuck is my problem?
1: All right, (laughs) you guys, if you want to send us an email, a story, you can do that at cruelandunusualthepod at gmail.com. You can see our Instagram at cruelandunusualthepod. I tweet at cruelunusual pod you can go see our website that is cruelinkmediacom that's got our merch that's got details and and sources and 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 info about our episodes and And all that stuff and our books that we write for the love of reading (laughs) um (laughs) our sources are always on our website and in the show notes below you can find them everywhere come join our facebook group that is cruel and unusual colon the group the
0: group we have a lot of fun in there we do we do
1: i think that's it you guys Please i'm don't gonna slam it yet i'm not gonna slam my laptop okay. yet because i have to say love you i love you Bye. bye, bye.